We are still talking about people of influence. Next week we have Excel. Aaron, you probably mentioned that. I just was out putting myself. Invite some folks to Excel. We want to make sure that we can pack out this place as much as we can. We want to encourage people to engage um, with the creativity that they always bring, and they always bring so much life and energy. So invite people. But we're talking about being people of influence, and we're going to stay with the idea of Moses. So we looked at Moses last, last week, and we looked at some, some different things. What was the main thing that we looked about Moses' life is that he didn't recognize that he was a person of influence. He, he didn't see, and I think that resonates maybe with many of us, that when we immediately think of somebody of person of influence, I think of Peter Muller. I think of somebody that carries just weight when they walk in. You, people of influence, but we recognize that God still worked mightily through the man Moses. And we saw that he, he was entrusted with, with some of the most amazing feats in history through the power of God, a man that doubted that he even had influence. But this morning, I want to look at the same man that, has, that doubted his influence, but look at a different season of his life. Influence in the desert, because Moses spent a lot of time in the desert. Influence, I think, makes sense when we're at 100%. When you feel really, really good, and you're like, I'm on the top of my game. I'm going to influence some people today. I'm going to make a positive change. It's when I'm prayed up, when I'm worshipped up, when I'm, like, encouraged up. We, we have this certain thing, and I think sometimes we think that's the point where we can release the mo- most amount of change, the most amount of influence, the most amount of, 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 of impact. And remember, what is influence? Influence is change or affecting someone else. We want to be a people of influence. Amen, Lane Park Church? We want to be getting next to people and seeing them change. Because if we don't, I think you might be in the wrong religion. Christianity is about impact. The Spirit of God is not yearning to stay just within you. The Spirit of God is yearning to impact the people around you. The Spirit of God is yearning to have His influence, not your influence, but His influence released. It's not just about you. And this morning, I'm going to cut to the chase that... We have to recognize that this is not about us, but this is about someone else receiving the impartation of who he is in fullness, life and life abundantly. But it does make sense when we're at 100, when everything's going right. But what happens when things don't go planned with our influence? What does influence in the desert look like? Influence when things go pear-shaped. I think we, we all have desert seasons. We, we all have these seasons where it just, it, it's, it's the wilderness. You're out in the middle of the desert. And sometimes it's in, maybe it's in your relationships that you're having a desert season. Sometimes it might be in work that it's just like, there's just this season of just, you just feel like it's, it's hard times. Sometimes it might be in church. You feel like, man, I just don't know what's going on. What's going on with the body of Christ today? Maybe you feel it's in the small church, us, the big church, the body of Christ. You feel that, is there seasons of, of hard times? But this morning, I want to continue looking at Moses. And, and this idea of how we can release influence in a desert season. And I'm just going to jump into this, this this morning. And we have to recognize that Moses has just seen a mighty move of God. How many, how many of you have seen God move mightily in your life? How many of you can, re- can resonate with the fact of if we've seen him do it before, we're going to see him do it again? 
and we need a rest in that. But sometimes we've seen him do it before and we're like, why aren't you doing it again? I feel like I'm in a hard space. Where are you? Where are you, God, in this season of my desert? And so Moses, we want to look at this man who doubted his influence, but now as he goes into a desert season, and he's seen mighty miracles and the mighty provision of God, but he now moves into a desert season, and I, I think we want to see what lessons we can learn from this person of influence in the desert. Just going to read out some scripture, starting in Numbers 13. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim, the giants. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers and so we seem to them. What happens? They're on the precipice of stepping into the promised land. They've just seen the mighty miracles of God. This, this man who doubted what God could do through him is about to see the promise fulfilled. And what happens? Do you all remember what is God's response to this, this naysaying of their ability to go into the promised land? God says, Whoop, we're going to make a U-turn here. Every single one of you is not going to enter into the promised land as you thought you were going to. This is like, this, this is huge. This is the Lord's response. Then the, after Moses and him have a bit of a conversation where Moses is trying to be like, okay, God, don't kill them all. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and ha yet have put me to the test these 10 times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despised me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Now, since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. How final does this desert season feel? Well, it's pretty final for them. You're going to die in the wilderness. Okay. We have to look at these mighty people of influence and look at the seasons that they go through and not expect our lives to possibly look different. There will be desert seasons and these desert seasons will feel very final. Sometimes you can't see an end out of the desert season. If it's, 
there's so many different things that can represent a desert season in your life. There can be, there's tragedy, there, there's, there's marriage breakups, there's kids that just go different ways. There's, there's so many different things. It could be addiction, it could be mental health struggles. There's so many different things that can represent a desert season for you. But this is a message of hope this morning. Because remember what we talked about? We talked about releasing influence even in desert seasons. So we're going to lean into this word this morning. Can you imagine what the Israelites were feeling at this proclamation? What Mo- imagine what Moses was feeling. He didn't have anything to do. Now, he sure made up for it later, right? He got himself kicked out of the promised land later. But at this point, Moses had nothing to do with the desert season that was in front of him. This was not Moses' responsibility. And sometimes I think we can say, God... I didn't do anything to get in this desert season. Maybe you didn't, but you still might be in that desert season. If you caused it or you didn't, I'm not sure, but those desert seasons are still there. Maybe you know why you're in it. Maybe you don't. It could be that portions of your life you feel are in the promised land and others are in the desert. But I want to, I've lived in the desert. Has anybody else lived in any deserts? The desert route by Taupo doesn't count, right? That's, that's not a desert. That's like a lush and beautiful land. In the desert, it feels so purposeless. When, when you're in a dry and barren land, it feels like, what in the world am I doing here? God, I just want to get out of here so then I can be about your work. God, just get me out of here so then I can actually do your real stuff. It feels like no influence. But can we still be a people of influence in a desert season of our lives? Remember, influence is to affect change on someone else. Do our lives still have an impact in a desert season? Here's point number one. Our influence is not shaped by what season of life we're in, but by who is with us. Our influence is not shaped by what season of life we're in, but by who is with us. Even before they found out they were in a long desert season, the Israelites and Moses were in the wilderness for a couple of years before God led them to spy out the land of Canaan. And so the conversation that I'm going to happens after God has just given Moses the first set of Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. Do you remember what happened? The golden calf. People had already replaced God after like 40 days that Moses was up there. They're like, oh, we're going a different direction. And the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. What is the thing that that we have to remember that's going to be so central to this idea that we're going to be looking at? Is that unfortunately people are easily swayed. How quickly we turn away from that which God showed us. These are people that saw the Red Sea parted and they walked through it. Can you imagine going through that and then using a golden calf instead to just be like, actually, God, the Red Sea thing was cool. I'm looking for something different. But, but there's a principle here that we can't ignore when it comes to influences that people are easily swayed. They turn aside quickly. God, do you know what God's response is after this interaction? He tells Moses... Take the people and go to the promised land. Go. I'm going to send one of my angels. He's going to clear out the way before you. 
He's going to rid the Canaanites. My angel's going to go before you. Go and take possession of the promised land. Go to this place that I have promised you. But do you know what he said? But I'm not going with you. You can, go and, you can go and step into the promised land and I'll clear a way for you. You can go right now, but I'm not going with you. This is what Moses' response is. Moses said to the Lord, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. He's saying, keep me in the desert because I'm not going where you're not going. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do for you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. Moses was not willing to step into a plentiful season if it meant stepping away from the presence of the Lord. And I love this. This is at the core of influence. He knew his point of difference. His point of difference was not in what he believed. His point of difference was not in the skills and the talents that God had given him. His point of difference was in the presence of the Lord. His point of difference was in the presence of the Lord. And if we want to be a people of influence, we have to be presence-centered. His presence has to be the end result and the beginning result. We have to be going after him with everything that we have because everything else is futile if we go without him. Everything means nothing if we go without him. You can step into, I think this is amazing. You can step into the promised land. You can step into the blessings that God has for you. You can step into those good things and he cannot be with you. Influence in the desert. It is this thing that needs to be our point of difference as people of influence. If it is a choice to stay in the wilderness or to go to milk and honey, the wilderness we will stay if that, if that is where God has us. We cannot be people of influence without the presence of God in our lives. It is his presence that makes us, not our circumstances. Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting before, because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by, by day and fire was in it by night and the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. His presence is key. We need to be a people that are after his presence, not his blessings. We need to be a people that are after his presence, not the things that he can do for us. We need to be a people after his presence, following him by day and following him by night as he leads. There's a really long passage of scripture that I was going to read, but I'm going to skip through it. It talks about follow his commandments. 
and why God brought him through. I'm just going to skip through. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, meaning you've got a whole lot of cool stuff, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. What a powerful scripture talking about what a desert season does in us. You will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Does that not change your perspective on your desert season? Does that not change your perspective that we're looking to say, God, get me out of this. And he's saying, this is for you to do you good in the end. Lest you forget the Lord your God when you've got, can I just, man, we would love to see this place filled with people. We want to make a sound where people come and they engage the life of God. But we don't want to grow at the expense of forgetting who the Lord is. We don't want a ton of people if those people are not going to be filled with his spirit and not remembering that his presence is everything. There is still influence in the desert. When we learn how to follow him in the desert, we will not lose him in times of plenty. When we learn how to follow him in the desert, we will not lose him in times of plenty. It is by the hand of the Lord that we find success, not ours, Following his commandments is what leads to success. We need to learn him to find him in the desert or we will forget him in the promised land. Point number two. And this is what I really feel the core of the message is centering around this morning. And I hope it uplifts your spirit as we look to the future. But number two, the enemy's lie is that you have nothing to contribute in the desert. The truth is, that a generation is rising up that needs your desert season so they can move into all God has for them. I'm going to say it again because this is so important. One of the, this whole point, God laid on my heart so strong that I feel is a prophetic word for us as a church in moving forward. This is a word that I believe God gave me so strongly and I was just going to be like, well, sweetie, I'm just going to share it as like one of the points. And Angie was like, and if God is tapping on your heart, Jesse, you've got to boldly declare what it is that he's spoken. So if we could catch this in our spirits to say, what does this look like? And it will look different for each of us. But have ears to hear what I believe is the word of the Lord. The enemy's lies that you have nothing to contribute in the desert. The truth is, is that a generation is rising up that needs your desert season so they can move into all God has for them. Your influence is not removed in the desert. Your ability to impact when things don't look, don't look well. And I just, I picture even for our church, we've seen this church. I wasn't, I was here a long time ago and we've seen those many people. And we can be like, man, maybe this is a desert season where we're not the same size that we used to be. Can I tell you that you can still have influence no matter what the desert season is? Your family might not look like what you wanted it to look like. 
There might not be the things that you thought were going to be in place, but can I tell you that you still have influence in that desert season? Your impact, your ability to see the kingdom expressed through you is not diminished by your circumstances. But hear this, your influence is not removed, but I want to submit to you this. In fact, it becomes more powerful as this is the season to release a new generation to what God has called them. Numbers 26, census of the new generation. The Lord said to Moses and to Elise, don't know how to say, Elizar, the son of Aaron, the priest, take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel from 20 years old and upwards by their father's house, all in Israel who are able to go to war. But among these that were not one of those listed by Moses and Aaron the priest who had listed the people of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said to, of them, they shall die in the wilderness. Not one of them was left except Caleb and Joshua. The Lord said to Moses, go up into this mountain and see the land that I've given to the people of Israel. When you have seen it, you also shall be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zin where the congregation quarreled, failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before their eyes. That's when Moses got kicked out of the promised land for hitting that rock. Moses spoke to the Lord saying, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation. Appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as sheep that have no shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hand on him. Make him stand before the priest and all the congregation and you shall commission him in their sight. You shall invest him with some of your authority. You shall invest him with some of your authority that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before the priest and the whole congregation. And he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses. At the end of today's service, I'm going to ask anyone that is from frequency age group to youth age group to young adult age group to even young families. If you have young families, I'm going to ask that you're going to come down here and we're going to get everyone else to send, come around us, and we're going to pray for what represents a new generation. And I just want to encourage you that a generation is not an age thing. It's just there's people out there that need Jesus. And we're not just going to be praying for these people to have something released. We're going to be praying that the people that we come into contact with, the people that you come into contact with, we're stating we recognize that God needs to impact a generation today. How many of you can say amen that God needs to release his spirit to impact a generation? And do you know who he's called to impact this generation? He's called us to impact the generation. We have a fire in our spirits to start impacting a generation like you cannot believe. There's so much that I would sacrifice for my boys. I would sacrifice my milk and honey so that they can have milk and honey. And Lane Park Church, I believe that God is calling us to sacrifice our milk and honey so that somebody else can step into their promised land. And this is, this is where we're going can you pray with us? Can you intercede with us as we begin to push forward into this word that recognizing regardless if you think you're in a desert season or not, your influence is not removed. I get amped. Let's go. What, and this is one of the things I believe God spoke so strongly to me. 
A new generation can't do anything without the older generation. We need to hear that. This is not about the next generation. This is about multiple, multiple generations coming together. My generation, Bennett's generation can do nothing without the older generations. We can try, but that's not how God works. God is a God of generations. Amen? So hear this word, what you have been through, what you have seen, what you have done, the trials, the tribulations, the grief, the pain, the victories, these give you a measure of authority. These give you a measure of authority. And what did we just read? What was Moses, this man of influence, what was he called to do in his desert season? You shall invest some of your authority into a man. Moses could have given up. He could have resigned himself to the desert, but he didn't. He faithfully served the Lord and how important it was that he did. The desert season wasn't a waste. Can we get that in our spirits that your desert season is not this waste of time where God is doing nothing. Your desert season is significant. It is a powerful release of influence over the next generation. Can you picture what that generation would have had to go through with what Moses had to go through as he's saying, I don't get to enter into the promised land of what I thought I was, so I'm just going to give up. Just going to like make some of my favorite manna patties, you know, and just like this is going to be life. But it's not what they did. They said regardless of circumstances, we recognize that your blessings are generational. Your promises for me don't die when I die, but they live on through the next generation. Legacy happens through people, not things. We need to be a people like Moses who said, I'm not going to go to the promised land even when he had an opportunity. I'd rather stay in the desert because that's where your presence is. And as such, he's able to release a new generation to fully step into the promised land. The desert season wasn't a waste, but a powerful release of influence over the next generation. He appointed a man. The spirit of God does not flow through things, but through people. Moses wasn't threatened by the fact that he didn't have the milk and honey in the way that he thought he would receive it. He kept his influence as influence is about passing on what God has put in you. We need to see the desert seasons of our life or the hard times. They are a breeding ground for releasing someone else into a season of milk and honey. Rather than looking for your desert season to end, what is God doing in the very midst of your circumstances? What is he doing in the very midst of your desert season right now? Milk and honey are good, but being a catalyst for others to receive milk and honey is so much better. Can we as a church posture ourselves so that the next generation can receive all that God is bringing to them? And the Lord said to Moses, behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering. And they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil that they've done, because they have turned to other gods. Now, therefore, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. 
Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and grown fat, they will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this, sh- this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouths of their offspring." For I know what they are inclined to do even today before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give. So Moses wrote this song that same day and taught it to the people of Israel. The next generation needs what you have. They need to know your stories. They need to see how God worked in your life. They need the song of your lives to be sung to them so they can have that singing in their heads when they come to their own desert seasons. And they can persevere so the kingdom continues to move through us. If we don't release a next generation into what God is calling them, if we don't release the sound that is in us through them, our sound will die and God will use another sound. It is so important that we posture ourselves so that he can do this. Our mandate is not to focus on our milk and honey but our mandate is to focus on how can we release those people that God is calling close to himself. And and, and when I say milk and honey, I'm not talking about, man, if if we've met Jesus, we've got our milk and honey. Amen? We have all that is needed in him. I'm talking about, it might be some of our preferences. It might be in your family. There might just need to be adjustments that you need to be made so it's not centered around you, but it's centered around how can I engage my kids for the kingdom? My golf time might need to be sacrificed. My prayer time might need to be increased for my kids. I'm talking, the word today is sacrifice. We might need to sacrifice what we feel are some of the good things for us so that the next generation can receive what God has for them. Our heart needs to be broken over this. We don't want to be a congregation that that is happy to fill ourselves on the milk and honey that God always provides. But we want to do everything in our power to make way for that next generation. In the desert, there are battles to be won and courage and strength to be imparted. As Joshua assumes his mandate as the next leader, what is the thing that God keeps communicating to him in that first little passage? Be strong and courageous. And he doesn't say it once. He doesn't say it twice. He says it like five or six times in different ways. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. There was a desperate need for Joshua to be strong and to be courageous for what was being asked of him. There are people in need of strength and courage to do what God has called them to do. And I believe that our responsibility is to be imparters of that strength and courageousness. If we want focus points for what is God wanting to release, this is a really good one. Strength and courage. There is a need for what is arising. And each generation has to go through it. There is a a need for them to have strength and courage. Are we putting our priorities ahead of imparting that strength and courage that we so need to be imparting to them?
You can't give what you don't have, and those that haven't been through the desert don't have the same kind of strength and courage as those that do. What you have as folks that have gone through desert seasons in your life, what you have is invaluable. What you have is invaluable. What you have to pass on is invaluable. Your influence in the desert is truly powerful. Joshua 2.8, before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. The battles that you are winning in a desert season are not empty victories. What is the lie that the enemy wants us to believe that you have no influence when you're in the desert? That you're just kind of like existing. Can I tell you that every single battle that you're fighting is going to be the the, the footsteps that that generation following you is going to be able to step into. What was one of the keys for the people of Israel defeating Jericho? We just read it. It was the battles that they had won in the wilderness. It was God, what God did with them in the wilderness that melted their hearts. Directly correlates to what God is doing with you in a desert season is going to be someone else stepping into their victories. Do not let up on the battles that God has put before you. Your battles are not in vain. Your influence is being released in such a powerful way. We just need eyes to see what that influence looks like. The battles they won in the desert set them up to enter the promised land. The people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That you may fear the Lord your God forever. We sang it this morning. He's going to do it again. I'll ask the worship team if you guys can just come up. What he did for you he will do for others. But what God is doing through you, he uses as a building block for others to step into their victories. It is so important to see how we're connected because if we think the battle finishes with us, we're not paying attention to what happens afterwards. And the picture that I have, and this is the one that I want to resound in our spirits more than anything, Ben, it's so cute. He's going to hide from you. Can we, just, can we just let our hearts begin to reach out to the next generation? This is not about us getting the best church service that we particularly like. This, this is not about, this is not about us. This is not about this is not about us. This is about the next generation. This is about a kingdom is built 
generationally. And what we pass on is so important. We have to position ourselves that regardless if we're in a desert season, that desert season isn't gonna hold us back from releasing influence. That desert season isn't gonna stop us from releasing a new generation to step into every single thing that God has called for them. God might, there might there's, there's a lie that says you don't have that influence in the desert. I'm here to say you can release a powerful sound no matter what season you're in as long as you have the presence of the Lord. But it requires sacrifice. Can we lean into this word this morning? The key here is if we make the desert season about us, we will not have impact. That's when the desert season doesn't have the influence that we want if it's about us. But if we see how important it is in God's bigger plan and how our desert season affects those around us, that desert season won't limit your influence, rather it releases it in a far more powerful way. Can I invite anyone that is in frequency age, anyone that is in youth age, any young families here, and you can decide if you're a young family or not. You can come if you're an old family. But then after they come up, come on up the front. You can come and stand around me. Bennett's gonna be the core. I want everyone else that's able to, if possible, to gather around us in a circle. And I was gonna have Ben Polson. Ben, if you could come up, sir. I wanna just give you the microphone to just pray for us. But if, if you are able-bodied and you're able, come and surround this group of people and let's lay hands on them. We are one body. Come and pray, surround, get your hands on someone. And we're going to, to pray that we can be a people that position ourselves. So I'm just gonna find Ben. Where's Ben? And then Peter, Peter, can you pray after Ben?